So we come with God as our focus this morning, and our sermon series that we're in is called Fresh Faith. And uh, we're looking at six practices for overcoming apathy. Apathy, when we have a lack of concern or a, a lack of interest, lack of enthusiasm or passion, and how do we overcome that? Uh, this is the second installment. The, the title for our time together today is Listen to True Instruction. The second practice, Listen to True Instruction. Our text is going to be Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. This is a totally relevant passage. The overlap between the priests that Malachi speaks to, that God speaks to through Malachi in, in this book, just we share so much in common with them, and we'll explore that together. Feel free to use one of the Bibles that are in the rows. If you brought your own, that's fantastic. We'll put the text on the screen as well. Let us receive the Word of God this morning. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, of reverence, and he feared me, or he revered me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction." May God bless the reading of His Word, and may God bless our conversation that we share together. Totally relevant, a lot of shared space in this text between the time of Malachi and our own time. We're going to explore some of those sharings together. We'll find out that we have a shared context, a shared calling, a shared problem, a shared warning, and a shared way forward. Let's take them one at a time. Our shared context. Our shared context is that we are loved by God. God loves His children. We, uh, um, we may have that feeling, like, and it may be for you as well, but I know for me that when I'm in water, I love the feeling of being in water. 
You know, you just, you kind of get that buoyancy, that buoyant feeling, and you're just, you just move differently when you're in water than when you're just out on land. I like that difference. I would imagine that if you're a bird flying in the air, that you'd have some of that sense of just floating and, and not being weighed down. Well, so it is that a person who is loved by God, that love is to undergird that person, to lift that person up, to allow them to float into any situation. We know that this world has hardship in it. We know that there's loss and suffering, that relationships struggle from time to time, and, and, and all kinds of calamities. And yet, because of the love of God, because of how definitive the love of God is for His children, it's intended to allow us to float to be present in the midst of things, but not to be overwhelmed by them, to be run down. In Malachi's time, we find the words in chapter 1. In fact, we'll be returning to chapter 1, each of our conversations through this book, because it's the context that makes the difference. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 2, God says to His people through Malachi, He goes, I have loved you. It's something that began a long time ago and continues to this day. I have loved you. You are loved. What was true then is true now. All Christians float in God's love. All Christians are lifted up by the love of God. Last week we looked at John 3.16 and Romans 5.8. Today, let's go ahead and take in um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to this description of the love. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Do you get that? That God so loves us that He claims us as His own children. Campolo used this analogy uh, when he was teaching, Tony Campolo teaching a long time ago. And, uh, but the idea that if God had a wallet, He'd pull it out and, and He'd show it around and He'd go, look, at, here's the, my pictures in my wallet. And, and of course, now He'd have to have a cell phone and all the pictures. But he'd be doing this and go, look, there she is. She's mine. Oh, you gotta, I got another one. You got to see this one. And we would know that our picture would be in His, in his photo album. And, and we're loved. We're loved. The love of God for His children is to be the dominant self-understanding, overruling all other understandings, that we are loved. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can know this with all assurity today. You are beloved of God. All right, so we share that context with the priests of Malachi 2. We also share a calling with them. We have a shared calling. And the calling is this, priests who proclaim. Priests who are called to proclaim. Today we prayed for the Psalm family. Chuck Psalm. Um, there's going to be a visitation uh, for, him to, uh, for him today with his family. And, and there will be a service for him tomorrow. And I had some time to spend with Lois and um, uh, Doug and Michelle and Dan and Ray, 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 Ray Lynn, excuse me, and with Allison on Friday. And it was wonderful to hear their stories. It's always that sacred space when families share stories of 
of someone that they love deeply and have recently lost. And, and it became very clear that, Doug, that, that Chuck had some uh, clear callings in his life, that he served as an engineer, that he was a father, a husband, that he was a follower of Christ. And as each story came out, you, you got this sense, I got this sense that he just fit into those callings so well that this fruitful calling that he had at Caterpillar, this calling to be dad and the stories that you heard his kids share, the, the calling to be Lois' husband, the calling to be a follower of Christ in this world. And each of us may have specific callings that, that God has for us to step into, but there's also a universal calling for all of God's children. It wasn't always this way. Back in the time of Malachi, there were some who were set apart as priests. There was a certain tribe. It was the tribe of Levi. So Levi was one of Jacob's 12 sons, and, and the descendants of Levi during the time of Moses were selected to be God's priests on behalf of the people. The priests stand before the people on behalf of God, and they stand before God on behalf of the people it was a tribe of Levi that was set apart by God to have no land of their own, but they would, they would watch over the temple, that they would teach and reveal God's law uh, to the rest of the congregation. We have this wonderful description in Malachi chapter 2. First, it speaks of just Levi himself uh, in, in a singular way. True instruction uh, was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. Then it goes on to tell the role of all the priests. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. That's what it was back then. If you've ever been to a national park, maybe you have... Um, uh, taking one of those nature walks with a park ranger, right? And, and they, they uncover so much more than you would ever see on your own. Park rangers are wonderful. And see, they share this in common with priests. The way that God is describing the role of a priest here in Malachi was that they filled you in on all the background. They would let, make sure you knew the right stuff. Thankfully, park rangers don't do the other roles that the priest did in the Old Testament. It'd be a little different vacation if you go, now Johnny and Susie watch as the park ranger cuts open the buffalo and burns him on an altar. That would be a different kind of experience. But the park ranger just fills you in about history and geology and, and flora and fauna and the ecosystem, and, and you come away with greater insight. And so was the role of the priests in Malachi's day. It turns out that's our role as well. We referenced a passage uh, last week. We referenced the passage of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We, we underscored that we also are priests, that to be set aside as a follower of God through Jesus Christ, that through that relationship we become part of a royal priesthood. But verse 9 goes on. Let's, let's capture the whole of it. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, and get this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As priests, 
we are called to proclaim. Even in Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said the same thing. He said to his followers as before he was ascended to be with the Father in heaven, and you will be my witnesses in this world. Messengers, proclaimers, priests, because we follow Jesus Christ, established as a, as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we would proclaim the word, that we would stand on behalf of God before the people, and we would stand before God on behalf of the people. All right, it'd be lovely if all we had was a shared context and a shared calling because this next one hurts a little bit. It turns out we have a shared problem, a shared problem. The problem is this, that we're not listening, we're not honoring God's name, that the temptation is there. In fact, I think the practice of it is as well. Here's how the problem is explained to us back then in Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, it says, if you will not listen... Here, priest, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, not listening, choosing not to honor God's name. To honor God's name is not just to respect the name of God, but in ancient times to talk about the name was to honor the whole of the being, and so you're not honoring all of who God is. In verse 3, we pick it up again. It says, um, uh, it, it talks, well, first at the, at the end of uh, verse um, uh, 2, it, it'll say, I will send the curse upon you. And, and, and so the problem is going to lead into a warning. But for the problem itself, we know that they were facing this time of devastation. We know things were hard. And that they were responding to that de devastation with this kind of apathy and this kind of problem that they weren't following through. In fact, we can capture it in verse 8. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Now we're some 2,000 years later, after the coming of Christ. We can find ourselves in the same position, showing partiality in our uh, um, representation of Jesus in this world. We might describe it more as kind of accommodating the culture. That temptation is always present. It was there for the priests of Malachi's day. It can be pre present for our time today, accommodating the culture around us. You know, some of us are given to accommodating the left, whatever the left is, that we accommodate the left, and, and that there's this progressive nature in this world, and, and we want to accommodate, and it sounds good, and we want to go that direction. The only problem is in the process of accommodating the left, we can give up on truth. We can be weakened in the, in the true teachings of, of Christ because we want to accommodate. We want to accommodate different ideas. And so we back away from God being the only God, and, and we back away from having to live certain, uh, according to certain instruction. And the, the other way, though, is if we start to accommodate the right, whatever the right is, the far right, whatever that is, we can be lent towards um, fundam fundamentalism. And all of a sudden, we begin to point out, like, we're right and you're wrong, and we're all about truth, and we're uncompromising with regard to the truth, but we compromise on grace all the time. We accommodate, whether it's one side or the other. I think part of the problem we run into is that we have these myths that support accommodation, these distorted understandings that lead us to accommodate to the culture around us. 
we'll buy into things like religion is a private matter. So we cease proclaiming. Who am I to judge? What if I don't know all the answers? And we set ourselves up that, well, it's just better to try and get along with everybody. Or it's just better to accommodate the people around us rather than to insist on the way of God as it's explained in Scripture. Here's the problem. When we do that, when we show partiality in our teaching, in our, our, our proclamation of who God is and what He has revealed in and through Jesus Christ, is that we cause many to stumble. When we don't fulfill our calling, we cause many to stumble. We have a shared context, loved by God. We have a shared calling, priests who proclaim. We have a shared problem, not listening, not honoring God's name and all that we're called to do. And so we have a shared warning, a shared warning, God's impending judgment. Back then, we see it at the end of verse 2, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. A covenant, a covenant came with blessings and curses. It was God saying, listen, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. Here's how I want you to live your lives. By the way, if you do, these are the blessings that are going to come your way. But if you don't, here are the hardships that are going to come your way. Here are the curses, the hardships that will come your way. In verse 3, we have explained for the, the priest, it says, Behold, I will rebuke your offspring one generation living according to a certain way, and, and the hardships will continue. These are not just a single generation, but they continue into the following generation. And spread dung on your faces and the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? We sit here going, he's going to spread dung on his faces? So the word here, the more technical word in English would be the word Awful right? O-F-F-A-L, I think is how it's per, uh, spelled. The, the idea that there are these entrails, that, that priests, part of their job, like we were saying, part of their job is that they would take the sacrifices and they would prepare the sacrifices before God and that the people were doing this to show that they put God first in their life. And there would be these, these unwanted parts to it, the nasty parts, and they would collect those and, and they would take those out to the dung heap, the awful heap. And what God is saying, listen, this is just going to splash back on you. You think you're in a position, a, a holy position, but the way you're living is profaning the whole thing. And so even the worst of the sacrifice is just splashing on you, and you're just no better than to be taken out to the heap yourself. We get down to verse 9, and it says, And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Do you get the picture? It's falling apart. You priests, you were there, you were there for this purpose, this calling to represent me, to, to listen to true teaching so you can represent true teaching in your context, the context of love. The shared warning comes to us. There's a number of places in the New Testament we could turn to this. Let's just turn to one. Um, we'll look at, at Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. So Jesus says this, so everyone who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before 
men and women, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do you, did you hear that? Yes, we're saved by grace. Please, we know we're saved by grace. God chooses us unconditionally. He doesn't say, do you measure up? Am I, are you good enough for me to choose? None of that. He goes, I just choose you. That's my love for you, God says. I choose you based on nothing that you do, no merit you have. You are mine because I say you're mine. But once made his, we enter this covenant with him, a covenant that God establishes, that he calls us into. And Jesus says, listen, if you acknowledge me, if you proclaim me, if if you stand for me, if you are my follower, awesome, that works. But if you don't, it's not just about saying the right words. It's, it's about being the follower of Jesus Christ. We're, we're saved into a covenant. We're, we're freely saved into a covenant. The covenant is a covenant of faith and love. And faith without works, we're told, is dead. It's dead. And so the warning comes even to us. Now, it turns out that we have a shared way forward. If the shared warning was God's impending judgment, we have a shared way forward, and the shared way is this, to listen to true instruction. To listen to true instruction, and then to represent that instruction in this world. Back then, what we have in our text that helps us with this is Malachi chapter 2, verse 2 again. If you recall, it was a conditional clause. And there's a way in ancient languages and some other languages even today where you can show in a conditional clause how you think it's going to turn out and what the possibilities are, what the expectations are. In our language, we don't know. We we do an if-then clause, and we we leave it open as to whether it's going to happen or not. But here, we have this sense of positive sense. It says, if you will not listen, if you will not take heart uh, to give... um, honor to my name. And there's a sense of, listen, it's going to work out. There's hopefulness in here. The way forward is, listen, you are going to listen. You are going to honor my name. We know it's true now as well. It was true back then. There's this hope. There's this sense of, gosh, you can, this is something we can step into. Jesus, in that, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he, he has that little piece. We've mentioned it before. There's that piece where he goes, listen, um, I the person who hears my words and does them. It's like the wise person who built a house on a rock and the storms came and the house stood, stood strong. But the person who hears my word and doesn't do them, well, that's like the foolish person who built his house on the sand and, and the waters came and it just washed it all away. And the way forward for us is to hear the word of God and to apply it. to to listen to true instruction and then to represent that instruction in this world. What was true back for the priests in Malachi's day is true for us today, to listen to true instruction that we might then represent it in this world. All right, so let's talk just a few minutes. If those are the areas that we have shared in common, I want to talk just a little bit of, well, how do we then learn to listen? I've heard it said oftentimes, You can make the Bible say anything you want. So it's true that people can provide their own interpretation of what the Bible says. But there are ways that we can approach the Bible 
to where we make sure that our interpretation is in alignment with what God is revealing. Yes, people can go around and do a spin on the Bible and make it accommodate anything that they want it to accommodate. But if we want to listen to true instructions, there are ways that we can go about doing it that ensure that we're aligned with what God wants to reveal. And we won't go through the whole exegetical method this morning, the whole, you know, kind of scientific approach of where you go, this, this sta- standard way of investigation. What I want to talk about right now is just something, a kind of lenses that we can use when we go to Scripture. Christianity is this. We are God's covenant people. We're in this covenant relationship because we are the redeemed people of God. And in this relationship, then, we go to God's Word with these things in mind. Here's what I would suggest. The first thing is this. Keep the whole of God at the center of your listening. Keep the whole of God at the center of your listening. Let me give you an example of this. In our 1820 material, our discipleship material, we we explore some of the dynamics of who God is. God is holy and loving. By the way, we've, I provided even just a partial list. I've given 12 different, uh, par- or six different parents, 12 different attributes. You'll find them in the study sheet that you got this, this morning. On the back side of it, you'll see under the reflection part, there's a list of these, uh, of these uh, attributes of God. Let me just give you an example of how we do this. If God is holy and loving, Let's say you were taking the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, this is the action step that I'm going to ask you to do in, that, in the study guide. That we would read through the Sermon on the Mount and we would read with the idea that God is holy. And we would read every passage as though God is holy and we find that God is uncompromisingly holy. That God is not going to soften His holiness, His otherness, His purity, so pure that no human could stand in His presence without God providing some kind of grace to protect Him. And so we read and we understand, we listen to God, knowing that God is uncompromising in his holiness. But then we might return to those same words and go, I'm going to read them through the lens of God's love because God is uncompromising in his love. And so we hold this together, the whole of God. When we listen, we listen to God's complete holiness. We, we listen through God's complete love. We know that God is completely sovereign. We know that he's completely personal knowable, approachable. And we hold these together that we might listen well. Because when we show partiality, when we go one way or the other, when we only focus on his love, we can miss his holiness. If we only focus on his holiness, we miss his love. And then we cease to represent him well and we start causing people to stumble around us. The second thing I would offer up, if the first thing is keep the whole of God at the center of our listening, the second thing would be this, embrace total uncompromising truth and total uncompromising grace. This is what Jesus did at every turn. That if we want to listen well, we listen for the fullness of the truth. When that we're not, we're not going to compromise it. If God reveals it and it's true, then God has spoken it to us and we hold on to that. And it's not ours to compromise it, to accommodate it into this world. At the same time, we know that Jesus never compromised his grace. And so we don't show partiality to truth above grace and we don't show partiality to grace above truth. 
Learning to do this is a life journey. That's why we join life groups. This is why we attend worship. This is why we read and study the Bible. This is why we encourage one another and disciple one another. You are the beloved of God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a beloved of God. If you haven't yet said yes to Jesus, if you're just stepping in and go, I want to be a follower of Jesus, all you have to do is say, God, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and you're there, and we're lifted up. There's this buoyancy that we might listen to this true instruction from a God who loves us, and we might represent the fullness of that true instruction to this world around us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the ability to be together. We thank you, God, for the graces you have offered. We thank you, God, that you forgive us when we uh, go astray and then figure that out through the conviction of your Holy Spirit that, that things need to change and we need to repent, that you are the God who welcomes us back and forgives. God, may we, as your children, live from your love this week. And may we listen. May we listen to what you reveal and represent it in this world. Thanks, God. We give you praise. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. Right now we're going to be learning a new song and uh, just going and reading the passage. Uh, and hearing Bob's sermon, it's really telling that uh, we just need to be more like Jesus sometimes, you know? It's so hard with all the noise of the world to forget about that. So I'm going to teach this course to you and uh, let this be our prayer today. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way I am open I'm open my heart is an open space for you to come and have your way I am open I am open do you got it? alright I'm going to play, play the song Closer, close to your heart. May I be a pure reflection of all you are. Love that is patient, love that is kind, a love that keeps no offenses or wrongs in mind. Make me like Jesus, make me like Jesus, my heart. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. Is an open space for you to come and have your way. I'm open, yes, oh God. I'm open. You're faithful to find me 
right where I am. Even in my wandering, you call me friend. Mercy receives me and lifts me to my feet. And I'm caught up in the wandering mystery of knowing Jesus, of knowing Jesus, my heart, my heart is an open space for you to come and have your way, I'm Says for you to come have your way. I am open. I am open. So do, so do whatever you want to do. Say whatever you want to say. So God move. good to be God's people and it may be that this morning you have some questions you want to follow up on maybe there's something that you want to reach out to another follower of Christ and say I need to repent of something I need to change my way I'm open would you help me in that being God's people together is a great gift let's go into this world knowing that we're loved the beloved children of God and then let's choose to love the people that God puts all around us in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen Amen